Welcome to the Minister's Mantle Teaching Library of Pastor Jay Everly. This message is designed to impart a spirit of faith into your spirit and prepare you to flow skillfully with the ministry mantle God has for you in these end times. Here's Pastor Jay. We're looking at Ephesians chapter number 2 and uh, verse and number 10. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. I like the Amplified. We are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do the good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us. There's, there's uh, not just uh, salvation, but there's work to do. Amen. We thank God for salvation, but God's called us to do a work for Him. Amen. You, many of you are raising up works in the cities you live in or the part of the city you live in, and, and, uh, and uh, you've, got, you've got things you're doing for God. Amen. And so he's talking about that, doing those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us. Now listen to this. Taking paths, this is the amplified version, Ephesians 2.10. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. Taking paths that he prepared ahead of time. Not one we've prepared. Not one of our own design. Not of our own choice. You know, I've had an interesting uh, observation. I've heard, you know, I don't just believe anybody's testimony that says they went to heaven. You understand? There's a lot of weirdness out there. You know, I had a vision. I went to heaven. I noticed, you know, some of those things aren't scriptural. You got to throw things away that aren't scriptural. So I'm not just talking about any old person that had a vision about going to heaven. I'm talking about bona fide experiences people had. I noticed a lot of them, they said, whenever they get to heaven, there'd be an angel there and he'd say, now stay on this path when you're in heaven. It seems like almost every time, stay on this path while you're in heaven. And so there's paths even up there for us to take. But even down here, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, yes, that we should walk in them. Amen. He's got a plan for you. He's got a path for you to walk. Yes, then I like this next part, living the good life. Yeah. You want to know where the good life is? It's on that path God has for you. You know why? Because God has already planned your life out from the, before you were born, Amen. from the foundation of the world. And he planned out all the provision you would need and he put the provision on the path. Amen. So if you and I are on, aren't on the path, then the provision's not there. That's right. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Amen. Praise God. Taking paths. Notice he didn't just say one path. Overall, it will be one path. You know, our life will have an overall path. But there are paths within that path that he'll lead you down for a period of time. And then, and then uh, he'll take you a, another direction later when, when he says, okay, now you're ready for what I really have for you. Amen. Amen. And so um, these are things God's prepared ahead of time. These are not things that, that we decide or that we invent or make up. You know, when it comes to divine destiny, fulfilling divine destiny, we don't uh, make our plans and ask God to bless them. We discover the plans and paths that have already been made for us, and those are already blessed. If you're having trouble walking in the blessing, examine this area. 
the blessing. I'm talking about the financial blessing. Examine this area. Am I in the plan God has for my life, like we were talking about yesterday, or am I just doing something, you know, I saw somebody else doing this, so I decided to do it. No, you got to get the mind of God for your life. And so that, those are things we've got to discover. And um, some of those paths sometimes include leadings that you wouldn't choose. Your own flesh wouldn't choose. Um, there, are, there are phases to those paths. Go over to Romans chapter number 4. Let's look at another verse before we get into this much, much deeper. Look at something the Bible said about Abraham, who is the father of faith, isn't he? We walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, this verse says. I want you to turn and see it, though. Romans 4, with, with me, look at verse number 12. The father of circumcision, is talking about Abraham, to all them who, uh, to, to, uh, let me start over. The father of circumcision, to them who are not of the circumcision only, but also who walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Notice the term there, the steps of that faith. You need to get a hold of that term regarding your life. There are steps to it. There are steps of faith God's going to have you take. When you first get saved, he's not going to talk to you about all those steps. He's not going to talk to you about the whole plan. We'd like to get saved and say, well, God, okay, now I'm saved. Now get out my calendar. Now, God, uh, tell me what I'm going to be doing next year. Tell me what I'm going to be doing the year after that. He's not going to do that. You know why? Because he's a faith God. Amen. Amen. He's a faith God. There are steps to our faith walk. Steps means you don't get there just with one great big leap. We have steps back here that come down into the auditorium. And nobody uh, stands at the bottom of the steps and leaps and jumps up to the top. Amen. It's one step at a time. I said one step at a time. And uh, that's the way we progress in the things of God. We take steps of faith. And so you can see that's a life of progression, can't you? Progressing from one degree of anointing to another degree of anointing. When we, when we apply this to ministry, it could mean one degree of faithfulness to another degree of faithfulness. And we do it all by faith. Hallelujah. And what I've found in my life is that some steps are just there because, um, um, you know, there's some things that, that we think we're ready for and we're not ready for. I said we, so don't feel that bad like I'm talking down at you. There's things sometimes I think, well, I'm ready for that. But ever, whenever God keeps leading me, he keeps leading me other steps. Yes, and I think, well, why is he doing that? And see, he sees the bigger picture and he knows what I'm ready for and what I'm not. And some steps are just there to lead me in a, into a place to prepare me for what he really actually has for me. Yes, Say out loud, prepare. prepare. God is a God of preparation. If you'll listen to him, you'll find that he's always got you in a state of readiness for what's coming next. Woo, let me say that again. I said, if you'll listen to him, you'll find he'll always get you into a place of readiness for what's coming next. If something comes and arises and surprises you uh, that God wants to do, it shouldn't have surprised you. Because he he would have prepared you ahead of time if you would have listened. Amen. Not only are you fulfilling a plan God has for your life right now, but actually right now, whether you realize it or not, you're also being prepared for the next thing God has for you. 
I look back at my life and I see how he led me in different ways, uh, different phases of my life and ministry. And I'm like, my goodness, I didn't see it at the time, but I look back and that was all preparation for what I'm doing right now. If I hadn't have been faithful back there, I wouldn't be where I am now. Although at the time I didn't even see it. How many of you can identify? I see a lot of you saying amen. That's, that, you can see that. So what God's doing is he's taking you steps and those steps are steps of preparation. Like I was talking about Jeremiah going down to the potter's house and him making that pot, you know, on the wheel. You know what I'm talking about. That wheel goes around and he's forming that pot. What that is, is that that potter's preparing that pot to pour something to, so that it can be in the shape it needs to be in. So that when it's hardened, he can pour something in there and, uh, you know, take, take water or something to his family's table Amen. or whatever he's going to use it for. Amen. So really, you're being prepared for God to pour some greater anointing into you. Woo. Say it out loud. I'm being prepared for bigger things. I'm being molded and shaped by God for greater things that he desires to pour into me. Amen. Once you and I are in the shape he planned for us to be, then he'll pour his anointing in a greater measure on the inside of us. But if we don't get rid of some of the things that, that uh, he's dealing with us about, we'll never be prepared. Amen. And so learn to enjoy whatever he's doing right now. If he's talking to you about crucifying the flesh in an area, if he's talking to you about controlling your attention better, if he's talking to you about, uh, you know, walking in love with your wife better. Well, I got quiet on that one. Didn't get any amens on that one. If he's talking to you about more integrity, if he's talking to you about, you know, discipline of your flesh or something. Uh, and, uh, and so forth and so on. If he's talking to you about giving or being faithful with being obedient to the promptings of the Spirit of God, yes, amen. amen. Whatever he's talking to you about, just know that he's talking to you about it because he's trying to get you in position for bigger things. Glory. He's always got you in my best interest at heart, doesn't he? Absolutely. He, he, I, I love him for it. I love him for it. Amen. So allow God to take you in those paths. Even when it's not comfortable on the flesh. There's there's paths he has taken me on that I would not have chosen them in the flesh. One of them is pastoring where I am right now. Although now I love it because I got willing, praise God. I know none of you have ever done anything unwillingly, but I have done some things unwillingly. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, I mean, uh, you know, once I got willing, I love it. But my flesh did not choose where I live. I would not have chosen that. In fact, I'll tell you a little story. It'll be humorous, but you'll, you'll get some, some good out of it. Um, I, uh, the year before I moved to pastor where I pastor, um, I went to preach at a church just south of there, not too far, in the wintertime. I'm talking like February. And February in Iowa. Now, I'm talking Fahrenheit. Somebody would have to convert it to Celsius because you're used to Celsius. February in, in Iowa in Fahrenheit can get on the, uh, on the thermometer, uh, it can get down to like 15 below zero Fahrenheit. What is that in Celsius? Cold. And then on top of that, wind chill. I've seen wind chill. I don't know if you know what wind chill is over here. 
That means it makes it feel colder. The, the wind is blowing on top of the temperature being low and makes it feel even colder. And the wind chill is 60 below yeah. zero Fahrenheit. Yes. I don't even know if anybody here can comprehend that. Your skin outside will freeze in about five minutes. That's cold. I said, that's cold. Amen. None of you have ever experienced that over here. Thank God. <laughs> Pastor Dan said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for calling me to Nigeria. Praise the Lord. <laughs> But anyway, that's, that's cold. And so I was preaching there in Iowa the year before I went there to pastor. I was invited to a church to preach just south of there. And uh, it's cold. February is cold. And so after I'm done preaching, I got in my car and I drove from the city I was preaching in to another city, Detroit, I mean uh, uh, Des Moines, where I had a plane flight to catch to go back home. And I was driving through a stretch of just open country where there's nothing but, but and it's all snowed over. The snow's deep, you know. And uh, it's all just a blanket of white, nothing but just white everywhere, and I'm driving down that road, down that highway, and I said, I think if I remember, I said it right out loud. I know I thought it if I didn't say it, but I think I said it right out loud. Right there in the car, I said, my God, this is a God-forsaken place. I'm glad to get back to Tulsa, you know, and a year later, God called me to pastor there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Uh, there are paths that I, well, this is my point, that I would not have chosen in the flesh. But yet God called me to pastor in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And now I, I got willing and I love every minute of it, you understand, in spite of the cold. <laughs> but I, but I uh, would not have chosen that. And there's things in your life like that. There, there will be things in your life. Well, God wouldn't lead me into that. Notice he led Jesus in the wilderness. Some leadings of the Spirit are not something you would have chosen. Amen. Amen. Well, God knows I'm a great big apostle. I don't, I don't have to go into the wilderness. Well, you might need to to knock some of that pride out of you. Amen. Come on. Woo. Praise the Lord. Did you feel the unction on that? Woo. Got the chicken dance unction on me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But some of those things, are, like I said, are just to knock some things out of you. God said over there in 1 Timothy 3.10, whenever it comes to helps ministers, he called them deacons, but if you look it up, it's the helps ministry. Whenever we set helps ministry in our churches, in positions in our churches, he said, let these first also be proved. Let them be proved. In other words, that means let them put them to the test and then make sure they pass the test before you put them into the position of leadership or responsibility in your church, you know. Let them first be proved. Then it, but, but notice the way he said it. He said, let these also first be proved. He had just talked about fivefold ministry offices before that. And when he said, let these also be proved, he's talking about also the fivefold ministry as well as these helps ministries. Let them be proved. What does that mean? Put them to the test. Put them to the test. What does that mean? Put them to the test. Check out their, their faithfulness. Amen. Check out whether they're faithful. I grew up, like I said, uh, you know, in there in Iowa, it's cold. It gets real cold. And lakes and ponds in the wintertime will freeze. I grew up in the Pennsylvania as a state. Now, now everybody's going to pass that test now. And they're asking, where did Pastor Jay get, where was he born? Pennsylvania, that's where I was born. And so, but it was cold there too. 
And, uh, but anyway, we grew up, when it got cold, you know, the ponds would freeze over. The lakes and the bodies of water would freeze over. And then, you know, sometimes in the wintertime, get up to a foot of ice on that pond. That's a foot, and I don't know what that'd be, a third of a meter, one-third of a meter for you. And so, something like that. So, you know, you get out there. We had what we called ice skates. Anybody ever seen, you know, like in, in the Olympics, the, the figure skating competitions and stuff where they're skating on the ice? We had ice skates as kids growing up. And we get out there and, and skate on those ponds. But you see, early in the winter, you know, it just starts freezing. There's just a little bit of ice out there. So you have to wait till the ice gets thick enough so that it'll support your weight. You don't want to get out there on the ice and go through the ice. And so what we would do, you know, we, it would be cold for a while, and we'd check out the ice. We'd see if it was, if it was we'd put one foot on, the, on the, the, the shore, and we'd put another foot out here, and we'd pound that ice, see if it was going to break. If it didn't break, we'd go out a little bit further, you know. And we'd just keep on going, you know. And actually, you can hear a certain sound. It'll, it'll, it'll sound. It'll, whenever it's right and it'll support you, it'll make a certain sound. You know, you hit it and it'll make a certain sound. And you know by the time you, you can hear that sound, we can get out there and go ice skating. We don't have to worry about falling through the ice. Well, what were we doing? We were testing that ice. Isn't that right? God, says that what, God said, that's what I'll do with you before I put you into some of these places of promotion. Amen. I'll test you out. Amen. You know, he said, uh, he'll, he'll lead us to do something, obey him in something. Amen. You know, I want you to walk over to this preacher on this side of the auditorium and give him, uh, you know, so many naira of dollars to bless his ministry. Yeah. Oh, I can't do that. I need that money myself. Aunt oh. Flunk. Why did it get quiet on that? Amen. There's leadings of the Spirit that are there to test us out and see if we'll obey in all things. Because a person who won't obey leadings, they disqualify themselves for being promoted. King Saul proved that out. The Word of God came to him, go out there into this, uh, this battle and kill all the enemy. He went out there and he kept the cows. He kept, he kept the, the certain number of people. He kept the king. He didn't kill him. Uh-huh. And remember, there was this bleeding of the sheep, Samuel said, you know, because he came back and said he obeyed. He didn't obey. He was a self-willed man, very obstinate, very, very uh, self-willed. And he disqualified himself. God said, no, I can't use him. Can't use him. Wrong sound coming out of him. Whenever I give him direction, wrong sound coming out of him. Doesn't sound like the sound of obedience. Amen. This is a big issue with preachers as well as all of the body of Christ. Amen. The leadings of God are not suggestions. They're commands. And sometimes he'll, he'll lead you to do things that your flesh wouldn't want to do. And my flesh doesn't want to do. But it's a test. He said, I'm going to put people to the test before I pour greater anointing into them. Can you say amen? Amen. Sometimes, like I grew up on the farm. And uh, on the farm, we sometimes butchered our own cows or animals. Like, uh, I know you don't need a lot of pork here, but we ate some pork. and We butchered pigs. Uh, That just simply means we'd pull him out of the pen and and, uh, you know, drain the blood out of him and start cutting him up and putting him, you know, making meat out of him, putting him in the freezer. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Over in the United States, we got a bunch of animal rights people that, that don't enjoy, don't, don't, don't like us talking about that, you know. But anyway, so, but we would butcher the pig. And when, after we would butcher the pig, you know, we'd get the, the, the ham hocks in, in their place and, you know, process them and all the bacon and everything, process all that. And when you're all done, I'm not talking about the, the internal intestines and stuff, but I'm talking about just the little chunks of meat that are left over. You, you, uh, you know, just little chunks of stuff here and there and all that. We'd put, we'd put all that in a pan, I mean, in a, in a kettle, and we'd boil it. And uh, we, there was a, a process we used. We made a certain product out of that. But whenever we were boiling it, all the lard, all the fat, the animal fat would rise to the top. And we would skim that off and set that aside, you know. And, uh, but that's, that's sometimes what God will do to you. We call it rendering the lard. Amen. Rendering the lard means you put, that, you put that in there and heat it up and all the lard rises to the top and then, then, the, then we skimmed it off. And God will do that with you. I don't mean by putting you through tests and trials. I mean by, by, by asking you to do something and then standing back and see if you're obedient and faithful. Obedient and faithful. Amen. And he's checking, he's rendering the Lord. He's bringing up all that unwillingness, all that disobedience, all that self-will, all that, you know, I'm going to do it my way. He's bringing that to the top so he can skim all that off because he wants to prepare you as a vessel who is a yielded vessel, a willing vessel who does his plan, not your plan. And if he can find somebody that's willing to do his plan and not their own plan, amen then he'll start making them and, and making them a vessel of honor. Yes, sir. He'll start pouring into them greater anointings and greater uh, responsibility in the body of Christ. That's why people have more prominence and a greater voice and more influence in the body of Christ. Amen. Now, there are self-promoted people. They'll, they'll fall to the side. Yeah. But I mean, those people that are stable and steady and, and they're, they're on the forefront, it's because they've been proven. God's, God's found them faithful and said, I can, I can count on them. If nobody else will obey me, they'll obey me. That's right. Amen. Boy, you want to be in that place. Amen. Tell your neighbor, that's where you want to be. You want to be where God can, can count on you. We talk about being able to trust God, and rightly so. But can God trust us? Can God trust us? Amen. Praise God. Can you be his go-to man? That whenever he says, I, I need something done and nobody's obeying me, I'll go over there to that gentleman, that man, and I know he'll obey me. Yes. And that's the reason some people just get more and more blessed and more and more blessed and more and more blessed. And other people just don't seem to progress in anything. Because the one that gets more and more blessed and more and more blessed just keeps on obeying and just keeps on obeying and just keeps on obeying and just keeps on being faithful and keeps on passing the test. And God said, well, I can use them. I'll just keep on promoting them. Other people, they're not responding to me, so I can't promote them. That's right. yes, sir. Amen. Remember yesterday we said stop, ask, stop adding centimeters to the ark. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 You remember whenever Peter was fishing after Jesus raised from the dead, Jesus came and he said, cast your net on the other side. You remember that? Yeah. And he did what he, God told him to do, and, and, and he caught some fish. Yes. Isn't that right? Amen. In other words, by following instructions, he prospered. Yes. Amen. Ooh, 
That's a big key to prospering. That's a big key to being promoted in ministry is following instructions. Not from a man. I'm talking about from the head of the church. Amen. But you also get proven by, uh, be, by serving another man first. Amen. Young ministers... Really, if, they're, if they listen to the Spirit of God, they'll, be submit, they'll, they'll submit themselves to older ministers, more seasoned ministers, and let that more seasoned minister train them in things. Right. Amen. 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 Let, Amen. Let them prepare them for what God's prepared for them. Amen. And uh, that's where some people, they flunk. Yes. They can't let anybody else speak into their life. Yeah. Amen. 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 You've you probably seen them in your church. I'm sure you've seen them where, you know, they, they just don't, they don't last. You, you, you give them some responsibility. Well, I'm not, I'm not called to do that. I'm, 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 I, God's called me to be an apostle or a golden college. Well, maybe, maybe so, but, but here's, here's something that you don't need to do. Maybe you know what God's call for them is, but don't even tell them about it. They're not, they're a novice. They're, they're going to get full of, they're going to get a big head. Full of pride. If you tell them, I know God's called you to be an apostle, just, just don't even tell them. They, they just get a big head about it. Amen. Isn't that right? Amen. Get such, such a big head, can't even get out that door back there. <laughs> Amen. I love the word. Don't you love the word? And so Peter obeyed. He, th- he threw his net over there on the other side, and he caught those fish, didn't he? How about you and I just learn to obey? Learn that uh, we're only to do things at the direction of the Spirit, not our own thinking. Amen. The Bible says in Luke 8 and 22 that Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Yes. Talking about getting in the boat. He wanted the disciples to get in the boat and go with him to the other side of the lake. 8.22 of Luke. Let us go to the other side. And the Bible says, and they departed. That's a key right there. You, don't, you and I are not to go to the other side until we have instructions to go to the other side. Amen. 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 And when Peter heard, uh, cast your net on the other side, he obeyed these instructions. Amen. He did it at thy word. Remember he said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Tell your neighbor, at thy word. Jesus is the Word, and He's the Word made flesh. So whenever He speaks to us, we do that, and we start uh, succeeding in what we were doing. Amen. You remember before that, Jesus said to his stand on the shore, Have you caught any fish? No, we've toiled all night and have caught nothing. Cast your net on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And the Bible said there was a great, they, had a, they caught a great big catch. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> In other words, they went from, they went from toiling to catching. Amen. Oh, you didn't get that. Went right over your head. They went from working with work, working hard, getting nothing done, not catching any fish, to actually succeeding in what they're putting their hand to. Why? What, what was the difference? The difference was they did it at his word. They did it at his word. When you and I just decide to do something, we're going to toil and catch nothing. Right. But whenever we do it at His Word, now we're going to start succeeding. That's right. Woo! Amen. People are looking for success principles, right? There's the, one of the biggest success principles. Do it at His Word. 
do it at his instruction. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, let's back up. I want to I catch something before we go any further. Let's go back here to uh, 1 Kings chapter number 19. 1 Kings chapter number 19. I've sure enjoyed being with you here. Amen. Let's, uh, let's look at chapter number 19 and verse number 19. 1 Kings 19, verse number 19. It tells us um, that Elijah departed in verse number 19 and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him and he with the 12. And Elijah, uh, Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And you know what he did? He left the oxen and ran and he boiled the oxen, you know, and then he ran after him. And the Bible said down there in the end of verse number 21, he ministered unto him. Elisha became uh, Elijah's uh, minister. Or in other words, he served him. Amen. Amen. Now here's Elisha being uh, uh, called to the ministry and he responded by serving his man of God. All right. He didn't respond by going into the ministry. He responded by serving his man of God. Why? Because there's preparation time that has to take place. You don't know how to go into the ministry just because you're called. Amen. Amen. The call, the call does not qualify you. Amen. Faithfulness to prepare is what qualifies you. But anyway, here's Elisha. He's, he's serving his man of God, and he's being trained during that time. And I want you to notice something, that whenever Elijah passed by him there, that first day he met him. He passed by him, and the Bible says he threw his mantle on him. Now, the mantle was literally a physical garment, sort of like an outer coat. You know what it is. But uh, that represented, it, it represented the anointing. It was a physical garment, but it represented the anointing. And actually, it had the anointing in it. You remember whenever Elijah died, actually it was Elisha died, that, uh, let me back up, whenever Elijah died, his coat fell. That mantle fell from whenever he went up in the whirlwind, that coat fell, and Elisha picked it up. And it had the anointing in it because he smote the waters and the waters departed. So it had had the, the measure of the anointing in it. So uh, anyway, that anointing, that mantle that Elijah put on Elisha, that represented the anointing. And I'm sure whenever that came on Elisha, that anointing came on Elisha because it's in that garment. And I'm sure he sensed that anointing. Don't you believe that's so? He sensed that anointing. What else would impress him so strong that he went and killed the oxen and said, I'm out of here, I'm going to follow my man of God. Something impressed him. And I believe it was that anointing came. He's had that anointing come on him. And then it lifted. And didn't come on him to stand in that office for I forget how many more years until Elijah went to heaven. Amen. Amen. So God gave him a taste of something. He gave him a taste of the anointing and he gave him a taste of what what his future was. He gave him a taste of what he was going to be walking in. But do you know he wasn't ready for it? So it came on him, but then it lifted off of him and he had to be prepared and he had to be built right in his character and built right on the inside to be able to have that anointing come on him to abide, to remain, for him to actually stand in that office. 
And now whenever his man of God went to heaven, it came on him, and now he's standing in that office. And we have a record of twice as many miracles in Elisha's ministry as, as Elijah had. Amen. Amen. You read through the Bible. He had twice as many miracles because he asked for a double portion. That's right. <laughs> Glory. Praise the Lord. But what I wanted you to see is this mantle, it, although it came on him back there when God called him. I had this happen to me when God called me. But it, it, it came on him, but then it lifted. It didn't just abide there because he's not ready to operate in that. Number one, he doesn't know how. He's new. He's, he's green behind the ears, like we say. <laughs> so he had to be trained. That's, and he did the right thing. He followed his man of God and developed his character, learned how to flow in that anointing and watched his man of God and learned from his man of God. And then whenever he was ready and Elijah was ready to go to heaven, then it came on him to abide. Praise God. But, the, but the Elisha had a servant named Gehazi that I believe was in line for the anointing after him, but he flunked the test. That's right. You remember he went after money? Remember Gehazi tried to steal uh, money and hide it? Naaman, remember Naaman was healed? And, and uh, he said, uh, well, I, I, and he secretly went out there and said, I'll take some money, and he hid it. Do you remember that? And he flunked the test, and so he never got into the, the ministry God had for him. So we can pass the test or we can flunk the test. Tell your neighbor, we're going to pass some tests. Amen, because there's some progression. God's got some things ahead of us. There's a harvest to reap. There's a last day era to usher in a last day era. There, there is, there is a, 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 the, the great harvest of the souls of the earth. The precious fruit of the earth has to come in. And it's going to require some anamate, then a montuke, manadadara, manasikite, and and some greater anointings than we've been walking in. And it's going to require some new mantles falling from heaven and some new things that the earth has never seen. And it's going to require the consecration and the preparation for us to walk in it and for us to be prepared. And so hear ye, hear ye, I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a man with character. I'm looking for a man who will prepare himself. I'm looking for a man that this mantle can fall upon. For mantles must fall. For the, the time is short and the harvest must be reaped. And I am ready to come, saith the Lord of hosts. And my hour is come that all things be fulfilled and all things be brought to pass, which is written in the scriptures and which the prophets have prophesied. Oh, it's going to be a time for those who are obedient and for those those who are faithful and those who are consecrated. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. That's why we're here. We're, we're, we're consecrating ourselves to be in vessels in this last day outpouring. Glory. Hallelujah. But let's talk a little bit about this mantle. The things of God, I don't know if you've ever, you men, you know, you go to a, I don't know how y'all do it here, but you go to a store and buy a suit of clothes. And, uh, you know, we all are different sizes physically, you know. And so, you know, I, I go buy a suit of clothes. Almost every time I go buy a suit of clothes, the arms are too long. So I have to have a tailor, you know, shorten them up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is that the way you buy clothes here? You have to go get them tailored, you know. And so, you know, the way we do it in the natural is um, they, we, we alter the garment to fit the man. 
But let me tell you how God does things. Because God doesn't do things the way man does things. He alters the man to fit the mantle. The mantle refers to endowments of ministry. Isn't that right? In the things of the Spirit, the mantle doesn't get fitted for the man. The man gets fitted for the mantle. Amen. The man is measured to see if he fits the mantle, not the mantle measured to see if it fits the man. Listen to what I'm saying. In other words, what we're talking about, God doesn't uh, fit or prepare a mantle for the man. He prepares the man for the mantle. He waits until the, the man fits the mantle by developing his character and his spiritual qualities that the mantle will require to put on him. He waits until the man's built right in faith. Amen. Until his spirit is in order. His life is in order. And he fits that mantle. Amen. We read it over there in 2 Timothy 2.21. It talks about there, we read it in verse number 20. It talks about, you know, uh, the uh, vessels of gold and silver and so forth. And then if a man purge himself from these, he'll be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared what is being prepared? The mantle? No. The man is being prepared. The man is being prepared unto every good work. The man is being prepared to fit that mantle. You know as well as I do, it's a turn off. Whenever a man tries to take on a mantle and his character is not good. And you know they, they never last. Those ministers never last. That's not going to be us. Tell your neighbor that's not us. No, no, no. We're going to go ahead and let God work on us. Amen. And God will connect you to another man that's more skillful in that mantle in order to prepare you for that mantle, the mantle that belongs to him. There's certain ministries that I'm drawn to. And I, one day it dawned on me, I'm always drawn to that kind of ministry, that kind of anointing. And it dawned on me, why? Because, because that's how God wants to use me. Hello? You know, you can get an appetite for something God hasn't called you to. Do you know if you like thinking about things along a certain line, eventually the devil will take opportunity to, to deceive you into that? I had a lady in, 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 uh, that I uh, lady came in contact with in ministry. She was, uh, I didn't know her, when she, but when she came to our ministry, came on, into the church, she was, she was, uh, she came out of the state institution. In other words, she had lost her mind. And her husband got to church and started getting filled with, filled with the things of God and got on fire for God and, and started believing God. And she became stable enough to come out of the state institution for the uh, mentally unstable and began to come to church. She began to get the word in her, began to renew her mind and, and began to become stable, more, more stable. She wasn't stable, but she's becoming more stable. I mean, you know, he's given us the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Sound mind. Tell your neighbor, soundness is is God. Yeah. So uh, she began to be stabilized to a degree and was making progress. But um, eventually she started going backwards again. 
And I didn't know why. See, some things you don't know unless you have revelation of the Spirit. You know, we're, we, we don't know everything. We just know what God reveals to us. Amen. So, um, but anyway, and I didn't know what was going on, but in a particular meeting that we were having, she came forward and proceeded to say, I'm a prophet and everybody in here needs to listen to me and so forth and so on. And, uh, well, they got the usher. That's what ushers are for. That's right. That's right. Because, because you can know what's the Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit, and what's not the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's right. You pastors, you need to know. That's right. If a manifestation, a so-called manifestation of the spirit happens in your church and it doesn't sit right on the inside. See, here's how you judge everything. By the word, number one, but by the, by the inner witness, number yes, two. You, you know something isn't right. That's not God. Amen. That's not God. Amen. You know the devil has a counterfeit for every one of the gifts of the spirit. Yes. Absolutely. has a counterfeit for every one of them. So, but I sense this isn't God. I just motioned to the usher, uh, uh, move her away and get her out of the auditorium. And so we did. But, um, as soon as I said to the usher to do that, I, I, I had a vision. In the spirit, I saw everything about why she's in the condition she was. Before, the moment before that, I couldn't have told you a single thing about why she was in the condition, you know, unstable and why she had been in the mental institution and all that. I couldn't, to, I couldn't have told you anything about it. Because, like I said, unless God reveals something, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know everything, but God, the one that knows everything, is in the inside of us, and if we need to know, he'll show us. And he showed me in a moment of time. I had a vision, went into the spirit. I saw her. Actually, I saw her mother and her, and she's a younger girl, this lady that was, uh, so, so to speak, telling us that she was a prophet and everybody needs to listen to her. Saw her as a child, and I saw an evil spirit approach her. It's in the spirit, in the vision. I saw an evil spirit approach her, and begin to whisper in her ear and say, you're a prophet. And also whisper to her mother, you're a prophet. Prophetess, but you know what, prophetess. And uh, eventually, you know, she wouldn't think about it, and then that thing would come back. You're a prophet. And that thing, and she started entertaining those thoughts. Yeah, right. Amen. Because now this, somebody said, this is, this is a, uh, God? No, this is an evil spirit evil talking spirit. to her. Do you realize God might, might uh, lead somebody along a certain line, but even if they're a child, they're not ready for it. Right. Right. But on the other hand, this isn't God. This is an evil spirit. What's he attempting to do? Get her off. Yes. Get her off course in life. Yes. Get her to believe a lie. Yes. You'll never prosper believing a lie. You're a prophet. Well, she eventually liked to think those thoughts and began to entertain that. And that spirit, as she began to entertain that, that spirit got a hold of her mind and, and started making her unstable. Yes, sir. Amen. That's how he gets a hold of people. Yes. And so he made her unstable, and she began to believe she was a prophet. And her mother began to believe that she was a prophet. And the Lord showed me that's what made her unstable, and that's why she went into the state institution, because that spirit got a hold of her mind, because she believed that spirit. So you've got to be careful what you believe and what you listen to. Amen. If you listen to the wrong voices, those things will make you unstable. Amen. And if, pastors, you receive a man who calls himself a prophet into your pulpit in your church, and he is not a prophet, but only has made himself a prophet because he likes to think that, and now he's not manifesting the true spirit of God, but he's manifesting under familiar spirits. And you receive him into your church to minister. The Bible says he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet have a prophet's reward. 
That's the true prophet. But if you receive a false prophet, you'll get a false prophet's reward. Which is destruction of your church. Amen. Amen. Boy, we're hitting a lot of things today. Amen. But she was not a prophet. This girl that I was talking about. But, God, but, uh, but this, this evil spirit kept telling her that and it made her unstable. Amen. Don't just have people in their church because they call themselves something. Ask them, who's your spiritual daddy? Who's mentoring you in the Holy Ghost? Amen. Ask them, you know, ask pastors that have had them in before, is this the real or is this a, a familiar spirit that's operating through them? What's their character? Do they have any integrity? Amen. So, but this girl went unstable because she listened to that spirit. And instantly in the spirit I saw all that and the Lord showed me, here's how to help her and I want you to talk to her after the service uh, and, get, and, and sit her down and talk to her about what happened and why she became unstable. How many of you know God has answers? You need to be in your church, not just a band-aid on a cancer kind of church where you just cover up things. You need to get down to the root. What made these people the way they are? Amen. And, and I, I say in our church, you know, I don't know, you have those weed whackers over here where you got those, you know, some people have, you ever heard of it? How many of you know what a weed whacker is? What, what do you call it? A trimmer. A trimmer. You trim the grass, you know, that little string goes around. It just chops the, the top of it off. And, uh, but, but you don't pull the root out, so it's going to start growing again, isn't it? Isn't that right? I tell people in our church, we're not a trimmer church. You know what I mean? Just whacking off the, the head of the problem and it grows back. No, I said we're a get down to the root church and dig out the root. In other words, that's what the Holy Ghost was doing in this lady's life. What's the root of this instability? And the root of it was listening to this voice. There's many voices in the realm of the Spirit. How do I get on this? And so she listened to the wrong voice. It made her unstable. Whatever a person's listening to, they'll become what that Spirit is. If it's a homosexual spirit, they'll become a homosexual. Amen. Amen. Whatever it is, that's what it'll make them. That spirit will make them what that spirit is. If they listen to it, my goodness. Amen. But anyway, so I, the Lord showed me, here's how to help her. Tell her that that's a false spirit that's, listening, that's talking to her, that she's not a prophet, that she's not called to the ministry. And uh, tell her if, if she wants to be set free from that instability, she's going to have to actually start answering that spirit and say, you get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, I, I uh, told my wife I want to meet with her. I got to attend to my guest speakers here because it was a meeting. I had guest speakers. I got to attend to them, but then I want to meet with her. And so my wife got her and said, well, we want to talk to you. And, and my wife actually started talking to her a little bit, and she started manifesting that evil spirit. I'm the handsome. It was one of those voices. It wasn't the Holy Ghost. How many of you know the Holy Ghost doesn't go? But she started, man, I'm from the head of the church. I'm speaking by the head of the church. And I'm the, I'm the prophet. And she, she wouldn't listen to my wife. And my wife rebuked her, told her to be quiet in the name of Jesus. And she refused to surrender to the word of God. God was given to her, so we had to kick her out of the church. Amen. Amen. Kick her out of the church? Yeah, kick devils, kick, kick devils out of your church. 
And if people don't want to let go of them, then the people get kicked out of the church. Amen. And so this young lady, she jumped in her car mad and offended because we rejected the prophet, you know, and uh, got in her car out of her head because that spirit now entered into her head. Out of her head, doesn't even know what she's doing. She's driving, and she drove all the way to a state south of us and ran out of gas, pulled into the parking lot of a grocery store and uh, went into the grocery store for some reason, and she's in a town she never had been in before. Some man in the grocery store walked by her, and that demon on her got manifested, and she jumped on him and started beating on him. The police arrested her and took her to jail. Totally insane. Because the Lord had spoken to me and said, this is how to help her. And he said, if she don't listen, if she doesn't listen, all that she was in will come back on her and it'll be worse. It'll be worse. And she didn't listen. Amen. Amen. How did I get on that? Anybody have any idea how I got on that? Amen. What was I talking about before I got onto that? Amen. The mantle. Amen. That's not the Holy Ghost mantle. That's a demon spirit manifestation. Praise the Lord. So I was talking about false prophets. Don't receive them into your church. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Anybody else having as good a time as I am? So God will connect you with somebody. He'll connect you with somebody. To help get, get those. See, if, if, like, let's take a man who's called to the office of the prophet. Sometimes young people are, but they're not ready for it. You know, you get, God will prove you in lower offices before he moves you into the office that he really has in mind for you. Because some of these higher offices require some greater consecration. And you have to be more mature to operate in them. Like I said, the prophet's office, he hears things, sees things in the realm of the spirit. But if he's immature, there are many voices in the realm of the spirit. Isn't that right? That's what the Bible says. And so he might hear something in the realm of the Spirit and think everything he hears is God when everything he hears is not God. Because there's evil spirits out there. There's, there's what the Bible calls familiar spirits that becomes familiar with people and can tell somebody something that's supernatural knowledge. But it's the wrong spirit. And so a novice doesn't know all that, hasn't sorted all that out, and if they don't let somebody train them and, and, and bring them up, in spiritual things, then, then he's going to get off. Right. Right. Am I preaching all right? Yes. So God's looking for a man. That's what the Holy Ghost said a while ago. He's looking for a man. But he's looking for, what he's talking about, he's looking for a prepared man, a man who's stable, a man who's got character, and a man who becomes, lets God mold him and form him for what he really has for him. I'm interested, and I believe you are too, I'm interested in stability in ministry. Amen. That doesn't mean uh, we don't flow with the Holy Ghost. It just means we're accurate when we flow in the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. So he's fitting us. He's fitting us for that mantle. Glory to God. I don't mean that, that we don't already have a mantle on our lives for whatever we're doing, but I'm saying there's an ultimate plan God has for us, and right now he's preparing us for that. Amen. Let's look at one more verse, and we'll, uh, we'll close. 2 Chronicles 16, verse number 9. <clears throat> 2 Chronicles 16, verse number 9. It tells us, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of whose heart, uh, him whose heart is perfect toward him. Remember that? In the King James. Rather than say perfect toward him, in the NIV it says, Whose heart 
are fully committed to Him. Fully committed to Him. I like that. In other words, he's consecrated to God's will and God's plan. He doesn't have his own agenda in mind. That's what God's looking for. Isn't that right? He's looking for somebody that uh, he can uh, show himself. The Bible says show himself strong on his behalf. The Living Bible says so that he can show his great power in helping them. Whoa, he's, in other words, in order to show his power, he's looking for somebody with a certain kind of heart. Yes, sir. He's not just wanting to look. He, listen, listen. Oh. If he has to look, that means that he just can't use everybody. Let, let's say I'm saying, I'm looking for a man with a red tie. Let's see here, red tie. Oh, there's a man with a red tie. That means everybody's not wearing a red tie. Isn't that right? Well, if God has to look, for someone whose heart is perfect toward him, that means not everybody is, is somebody he can use along with that line. Amen? So he's looking. Now, whose heart is perfect toward him? Perfect doesn't mean without any failures or without any mistakes. Amen. It doesn't mean sinless perfection. You know, never made any mistakes. When you look it up, whose heart is perfect toward him, the King James says it that way, but the NIV, like I said, is fully committed to him. Yes. Fully committed to him. He's looking for somebody who is fully committed. You look it up, and the word perfect means wholehearted Amen. for God, to, for his plan. In other words, his, his heart is not divided. Get a hold of this. I'm about done. Whose heart is not divided between God's plan and his own motives. Amen. Amen. His heart is for whatever God wants. Not for his own purposes, motives, to be seen, to be important, to be, you know, well known, for everybody to submit to me. I'm the big wig. I'm the big chief. That's not, he's looking for somebody that has a heart to just do whatever God wants him to do. He's just surrendered to God's plan. Amen. Whose heart is not divided. In other words, perfect means wholehearted. It's not divided. It's not divided between God's plans and his own agenda and his own desires. And when God finds that man, he begins to now there's a vessel I can use. And he begins to prepare that man for the mantle that he has in mind for that man. And whenever that man is prepared for that mantle, that mantle will come on him. And now he's going to stand in the ultimate plan God had for him. Hallelujah. When he finds that man, he begins to prepare him, and then he begins to use him whenever he's prepared correctly. The Bible said many are called, but few, few are chosen. In other words, just being called is not enough. We've got to qualify for being the one who's chosen. Hallelujah. The choicest mantles are reserved for those who strive unselfishly for God's plan and God's best. Not for their own agenda. Amen. Praise the Lord. Is that you this morning? Just want God's plan, not your own plan. You, but you want what God's plan is. You don't have selfish ambition, you know, just for my own promotion. You just want to be the blessing God's called you to be, and you want to be faithful to God. Amen. If that's you, stand to your feet and shout hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. That's me. That's you. And we continually are separating ourselves unto our call. 
Like Paul was told, separate these men to the call, for the work, to the work whereunto I have called them. Amen. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Eberly's ministry, please visit us on Facebook at Jay Eberly Ministries. Email us at info at eberlyministries.org or call us at 319-366-2147. And remember, God prepares the man to fit the mantle, not the mantle to fit the man. Thank you.